Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Krauss, licensed professional counselor. In today's special episode, I'm going to be speaking about all things vaping. And especially because adolescent and children are vaping more than ever. And obviously we're going to be talking about the health effects, what is vaping, all the different types of vapes that we know about, and what you can do if you are a person who is vaping or vaping too much or trying to keep your child from vaping. Before we jump into the episode, let me tell you if you are a therapist in a solo or group practice and you are looking for an excellent medical billing system that is not some big faceless corporation or some weird archaic biller who uses paper or doesn't know what they're doing. Try Therapist Billing Services. It's a billing service made by therapists for therapists. They work to undercut the larger corporations and also some of the archaic billers around. They use technology It is completely transparent, and they add extra services such as verification of benefits and other things that make sure you get paid for your hard work. That's Therapist Billing Services, LLC.com, www.therapistbillingservicesllc.com. All right, let's get into talking about vaping. What is vaping? Of course, it is popularly known as an alternative to smoking cigarettes, and as In my lifetime, people went from smoking cigarettes in a, quote, section of a bar or a restaurant to, of course, that being banned somewhere around 2006, 2008. I don't remember the exact year. And then sometime soon after that, a national ban occurred. I don't really remember what year. But regardless of that, um, we're learning about vaping because vaping has become very popular I have no idea how all these vape stores stay in business, but they are everywhere in strip malls. Now, we are going to find out in this podcast that vaping may be as harmful, if not more harmful, than smoking cigarettes due to various reasons. We are also going to primarily talk about the use of vaping by teens and children in the United States. But first, let's talk about what vaping is. Vaping can be defined as the use of electronic cigarettes or other electronic nicotine delivery systems that heat a liquid, often containing nicotine, flavoring, and other chemicals, into an aerosol that is then inhaled into a human's lungs. To inhale vapor through the mouth from a usually battery-operated electronic device uh, that vaporizes a liquid or a solid. Uh, There are many other definitions of vaping, and uh, But oftentimes, they all involve an aerosol that you inhale uh, with various things in it. The American Psychological Association had this to say about e-cigarettes, also known as ENDS, in, or electronic nicotine delivery systems that look and act a lot like regular cigarettes. They're plastic or metal rods that can light up at the end and release vapor that look like smoke when puffed, an action popularly called vaping. When users inhale it, they get a nicotine hit. Now, there are many other types of vaping out there, but let's talk about what they are. So e-cigarettes are the most common type of vaping device, often shaped like a traditional uh, tobacco cigarette, although not a cigarette there. It's a reusable item. 
They, uh, there is the cigalike. They resemble traditional tobacco cigarettes. They're high in nicotine content and provide similar effects to smoking. Um, there are some that are disposable that are, you know, used for a one-time use. And there are other types that are refillable and designed to be refilled with an e-liquid, also known as juice. Vape pens are slightly larger than e-cigarettes, and they're shaped usually like a pen. Uh, they have a longer life uh, than e-cigarettes. Um, there's the sub-ohm, and they have a lower resistance coil, which produces more vapor and flavor. We now have CBD vape pens designed to vaporize CBD uh, and e-liquid or oil, and of course THC vape pens designed to vaporize THC concentrates or tetrahydrocannabinoid, uh, which is the main intoxicating ingredient in marijuana, where CBD is more of the cannabinoid oil without the... Uh, type of psychedelic part of it. Mods, what are mods? Short for modified and larger or more customizable than other types of vaping de uh, devices. So there are many different types. I did a lot of research here, but there are certain ones that regulate power input. They have a chip. Some have battery power. Um, some have a e-liquid reservoir that can be squeezed to feed the e-liquid into the coil. We also have the pod-based systems. They are typically similar and smaller, more compact than other types. Um, some are closed. They have pre-filled pods that cannot be refilled, and others have refillable uh, pods. And heat-not-burn devices. These devices heat tobacco instead of burning it, which produces an aerosol that is inhaled. They actually use tobacco, but they still fall under the category of electronic nicotine delivery systems. Tobacco sticks contain actual tobacco or are heated to produce an aerosol, and loose leaf are actual tobacco leaves that are heated to produce an aerosol, but these are not traditional cigarettes. It turns out that there are many more variations of these type of vaping devices, and new devices are constantly being developed. There are many articles you can read that will be in the blog I'm going to make about this podcast episode. So there are, of course, the two different types, nicotine versus cannabis, and then there are certain ones that are just flavored vape. Um, so basically, there are so many issues with vaping. Um, according to this study, I'm not really totally sure about this one, but there were two studies, Morales and Reggio 2019, and then, of course, Dr. Yasmin Thabanala uh, said that vaping CBD could be even more dangerous than vaping nicotine because CBD can lead to more severe lung damage. CBD oil increased pulmonary inflammation and lung damage. Uh, vaping with either uh, nicotine nor CBD is recommended for uh, healthy lungs. So there, this doctor, of course, saying don't vape at all. According to... Uh, Abraham Benavides, a medical advisor at Nature Bloom, CBD vapes can be especially detrimental to teenagers. This is because these products are readily available to them and their lungs, which are still developing, are more prone to the harmful chemicals that can cause irreversible damage to their bodies, according to multiple doctors. Here are the most popular types of vaping among teens in 2021. The most popular type of e-cigarette among 26% of U.S. teens was Puff Bar. Some of the other popular brands were Juul, Swarin, Vagon Black, Swarin Drop, Pen Pal, Stealth Vaporizer. Based on truth initiative research, 15 to 17-year-old teens are 16 
times more likely to use Juul compared to other 25 to 34-year-old adults. That's Vallone et al. study. Among 13,000 participants in this study, about 10% of teens have used Juul at least once. 56% of teen Juul users have used it more than three times a month, and almost 50% of the users use it more than 10 days a month. Statistics on how many U.S. children are impacted. The prevalence of vaping among teens in the U.S., according to the University of Michigan's survey, monitoring the future, the number of high school teens vaping nicotine significantly rose between 2017 and 2019. And I'm going to actually have a chart on this in the uh, show notes and in the blog. There were quite a few um, increases, uh, including a uh, prevalence change from 11% of 12th graders in 2017 to 25.4% of 12th graders in 2019. That's a huge jump. And uh, in the past 12 months, like if you look at who had ever used a vape, almost 40% in 2019 responded uh, yes to that. And that's also, there's a chart from the New England Journal of Medicine that will be in the blog Daily nicotine vaping levels on at least 20 days during the previous 30 were 12%, 7%, and 2% in 12th, 10th, and 8th graders, respectively. So basically, kids are getting into this stuff. Um, If you don't know if your children are vaping, uh, definitely have a conversation with them on it, but don't lecture them as lectures do not work uh, very well. Scaring people straight also does not work. Again, these are my opinions. I don't believe that works. Um... There's so many statistics. I'm going to just post them in the blog. But essentially, a JAMA study in 2019, 27.5% of high school students and 10% of middle schoolers had reported using e-cigarettes. And um, I mean, I remember all in the 1980s and 90s, there were so many people smoking actual cigarettes that it was like this huge issue. And then the smoking rates had decreased among teens and high schoolers. And now I think due to vapes are going back up again. I'm not sure the actual stats on that, but that seems to be what I'm reading here. And um, in 2022, one out of every 30 middle school students reported that they used electronic cigarettes in the past 30 days, and one out of every seven high school students, that 14% of high school students reported they had used e-cigarettes in the past 30 days. That's a pretty alarming statistic. In a study by Cooper et al., 2.55 million U.S. middle and high school students currently used e-cigarettes, and most reported using flavored products were fruit flavors, and a lot of them used disposable types. The Centers for Disease Control in the United States uh, released some of the statistics. Nearly 9 out of 10 adults who smoke cigarettes daily first try smoking by the age of 18, and 99% first try smoking by the age of 26. Each day in the United States, about 1,600 youth smoke their first cigarette, and nearly 200 youth start smoking every day. Flavorings in tobacco products can make them more appealing to youth. Um, If you look here at the statistic by the CDC on the uh, current tobacco product use among high school students, smoking any type of tobacco product is 16.5%, where e-cigarettes are 14% of what they smoke. Cigars being 28 and cigarettes only down to 2%. So cigarettes have really actually taken a plunge. I guess I was right. Smokeless tobacco, hookah, nicotine patches, heated tobacco products, and pipes are even lower. So let's talk about what vaping does to the mind and the body. 
The, the nicotine present in these e-liquids is quickly absorbed from the lungs and into the bloodstream. Once in the bloodstream, nicotine triggers the adrenal glands to release epinephrine, which stimulates the central nervous system, increasing blood pressure, heart rate, and breathing. The brain's reward circuits are activated by nicotine, leading to the release of dopamine, which reinforces rewarding behaviors. As a result, individuals are compelled to repeatedly use nicotine, even though it poses risks to their health and well-being. While e-cigarettes can be less harmful than combustible, old-fashioned cigarettes, they still activate the brain's reward system, putting vapors at risk for addiction. That's Levine et al. 2011. And of course, that was an older study because now we've been hearing more about these chemicals that are added to these e-liquids. Not all of them, but a lot of the brands. Vaping exposes the lungs to a variety of chemicals, including those added to e-liquids and other chemicals producing during the heating vaporizing process. That's from Sliman et al. 2016. A 2017 study shows that e-liquid of certain SIG-alike brands contain high levels of nickel and chromium and low levels of cadmium. These chemicals can cause breathing problems. That's Hess et al. A systematic review of health effects of electronic cigarettes published in Preventative Medicine analyzed 76 studies to explore the content of fluid vapor of electronic cigarettes. The researchers concluded that electronic cigarettes cannot be regarded as safe even though they are probably less harmful than conventional cigarettes. The study recommended that you only recommend uh, vaping to smokers that were unable to quit, and that's from Pissinger et al., because obviously the vaping was still... Vaping is still dangerous. Results of a systematic review of global evidence on e-cigarettes and health outcomes from banks at all from Australian Northern University. Uh, let's talk about dependence and abuse liability. Among non-smokers, there is substantial evidence that e-cigarette use results in dependence. Among smokers, there is limited evidence that e-cigarettes use results in dependence. E-cigarettes have lower abuse liability than combustible cigarettes. However, they have higher abuse liability than nicotine replacement therapy products among smokers. So again, various outcomes here. Cardiovascular health outcomes. Among smokers, there is moderate evidence that the use of e-cigarettes increases heart rate, systolic blood pressure, dialostic blood pressure, and arterial stiffness acutely after use. So we're still not quote, quite as sure about that as there is plenty of that going on with com uh, combustible cigarettes or regular cigarettes with the tar and everything going on in the lungs there. Uh, we don't really have the outcomes about cancer yet. Respiratory health outcomes. The use of e-cigarettes can cause respiratory disease among both smokers and non-smokers. Um, lung injury is largely related to e-cigarettes delivering THC, according to this study. Burns and injuries. E-cigarettes can cause burns and injuries, which can be severe and result in death. Poisoning. Intentional or accidental exposure to nicotine e-liquids can lead to poisoning. I don't know exactly how that occurs, but um, that's what's in this article. Uh, the use of e-cigarettes can uh, result in nicotine toxicity, and there are a significant number of accidental poisonings that occur in children under the age of six. I think that probably means that you are accidentally ingesting a lot of it at once. Neurological issues. The use of e-cigarettes can lead to seizures. There's limited evidence that injuries due to e-cigarette explosions can lead to nerve damage. Uh, so there's sometimes explosions of these things. According to the systematic review published in the Environmental Research and Public Health in 2022, this is Pissinger and Rasmussen, Dual use of electronic and conventional cigarettes is associated with a significantly higher risk of self-reported symptoms. 
Um, the intensity of cigarette smoking is associated with worse health, of course, and uh, dual use of electronic or regular cigarettes is uh, at least as harmful um, as, you know, using them together. Uh, facts about vaping. Um, vaping, according to some studies, is slightly less harmful than smoking, uh, but it does not qualify as a safe practice. Traditional cigarettes contain about 7,000 chemicals, and many of them are toxic. Vaping exposes smokers to fewer toxic chemicals. However, people who smoke vaping products containing THC are at high risk of uh, developing lung injuries. According to the CDC, 68 deaths were related to vaping THC-containing e-cigarettes in 2020. Another issue is that, um, and, and this is more of a behavioral observation, but with vaping, people can vape very easily in um, public places, whereas cigarettes, you know, people have said, get that smoke out of here, go outside. So it limits your ability to smoke them, but with e-cigarettes and vapes, you can pretty much... I've seen people do it in buildings and blow the smoke down. Um, you can do it while walking. You don't have to light anything up, but they still have chemicals, so that's the problem. Vaping does negatively affect the heart and the lungs. Nicotine raises blood pressure and spikes your adrenaline, which increases your heart rate and the likelihood of having a heart attack. It's also linked to chronic lung disease and asthma and cardiovascular diseases. Electronic cigarettes are equally addictive as conventional cigarettes. The reason is that they both contain nicotine. E-cigarettes don't have FDA approval as of now. They have not approved e-cigarettes. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration in the United States have not approved these e-cigarettes as smoking cessation. That's from uh, Johns Hopkins Medicine. That was the last four things that I read. Mental health effects of vaping. Vaping increases the chance of developing depression from a 2019 JAMA study. Frequent vaping is related to higher odds, 2.4x, of having a diagnosis of depression compared to people that have never used uh, a vape. Vaping can worsen symptoms of depression in 2017. Participants who used e-cigarettes as a higher frequency were associated with higher depressive symptoms. It's associated with higher levels of ADHD. A 2019 study found that vaping is significantly associated with higher ADHD symptoms. That's from Bierhoff et al. So let's get to teens and children. Now that you know that while cigarettes did have 7,000 chemicals, vaping has less, but they're still not good. So let's talk about children and how they are affected. The health effects in vaping among teens. Nicotine exposure through vaping can harm brain development as it develops until about age 25. That's the brain is developing until about age 25. Uh, besides that, it can harm parts of the brain that control attention, learning, mood, and impulse control, all of the things we are trying to help children with as they grow up. Nicotine also changes the way these synapses in the brain are formed and leading to memory problems in children. Using nicotine products increases the chance of addiction in children when they are older and still while they are children. That's from Taylor 2014. Vaping has been linked to increased risk of depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts among teens. That's from Javed et al. 2022. According to a report by the National Academy of Medicine in 2018, there is some evidence suggesting that the use of e-cigarettes can lead to an increase in the frequency and quantity of cigarette smoking in the future. That's from the CDC. Adolescents may resort to vaping as a coping mechanism for stress or anxiety, which can result in the cycle of nicotine dependence. However, nicotine addiction can also contribute to stress. So, obviously, you know, people are doing it maybe to fit in or whatever, but it's an addictive substance and it can help you temporarily 
feel less stressed uh, because of what nicotine does to your system. However, when you're addicted, that can contribute to more stress. Vaping can also call cause withdrawal symptoms in teenagers. That's from Gensky et al., 2022. Uh, what makes children use tobacco products such as this? Well, social and physical environments. Example, mass media declaring it, it to be normal, or social media seeing other people their age using the products, or, of course, imitating their parents. Biological and genetic factors. Um, if a woman smokes or vapes while pregnant, it raises the chances of their child becoming a regular smoker later in life. And of course, there are genetic factors uh, which make quitting smoking possibly more challenging for young people. Mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, and stress are um, ways people want to cope. And so uh, smoking short-term, it delivers the nicotine, which can make you feel relaxed, even though nicotine is a stimulant. Positive expectations such as losing weight or stress relief, people associated with that. Um, we don't know why exactly, but a lower socioeconomic status um, it does actually cause a greater risk factor in uh, vaping, at least in statistically. A lot of people have uh, trouble saying no to peers, and there's tons of availability of these products. That's from the uh, Centers for Disease Control. So here's the deal. Everyone starts smoking or vaping for a different reason, but we can't control you know, why people start or stop vaping. The issue is that we need to be able to figure out what are their motivations to continue and how can we help them learn about it and not try to like just use old school ways of scaring them. Um, but I'm going to get into what parents can do here in a minute, but I'm going to just really talk to the parents here for a second. V trying to guilt your child or lecture them into not vaping is ridiculous. They're probably going to try a vape at school, depending on who their friends are. You cannot hide your child away from this stuff. However, you can have a zero tolerance policy of having it in your home. And until a child is 18... I do believe you have the right to be somewhat invasive of what they are putting in their body, whether it be alcohol or vaping that you need to restrict. Because when you're younger, all of the statistics say this on cigarettes, which I did not get all of these, but they were in my textbooks in grad school, that the earlier you start smoking or drinking alcohol or whatever, the more likelihood you are to develop an addiction in the future because of the way the developing brain attaches to these things. So vaping is no different, even though it is just slightly different than smoking combustible traditional cigarettes. Um, in the Adverse Child Experiences study, I've done whole podcasts on that. They talk about that as well. And a lot of people, kids will do it to fit in, to have fun, to try it out, to explore. And that's that's all normal. The issue is, are they continuing to do it? Are they bringing it into your house? And that's where you got to have the zero tolerance policy. It's not in your house and they aren't doing it. And if they are doing it, um, find ways for you to stop them by disciplining them or grounding them. And here are some things for parents, of course, from the CDC and other studies. So let's just go with what they say, because those were my opinions. How can parents work on reducing or stopping their teens from vaping? Well, here we go. Parents need to know what vaping is. They need to do their own research. They need to understand about lung damage, addiction, and exposure to harmful chemicals. 
And you should get your information from credible sources like the CDC or the American Lung Association or a doctor or a licensed professional counselor. Educate your teen about the dangers of vaping. Parents should provide their teens with accurate information about the risks of vaping. For example, the CDC provides a variety of resources on vaping, including fact sheets, infographics uh, that can help parents educate their teens. In my opinion, educating your teens almost does nothing if you're arguing with them. Um, It is okay for you to give them the information. Maybe if they're grounded and you took away their vape, they have to read that to, like, earn some sort of thing back, like their cell phone that you took from them or whatever. Um, You should be monitoring their – if your child has an Amazon account or other accounts, they can easily order the products to your house and pick up the mail before you get home. Order it to a friend's house. They can order it to – different places like P.O. boxes, which is why it's important that you, we talked about in the screen uh, addiction episode that I put out, that you have access to your child's digital media and you have access to their credit card, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, whatever they're utilizing, you have access to that until they're 18 um, so that you can make sure they're not becoming addicted to something like vaping or, of course, screen use, which is what we talked about in the other solo episode. You need to be a good role model. If you are using vaping products or tobacco products, research has shown that parents that use tobacco products are more likely to have teens who use them as well. That's Candle et al. 2015. That is obvious. That goes for anything. Alcohol, swearing. If you don't want your children to do it, cut it out yourself. Explore the reasons why your children are vaping. Parents should have open and honest conversations with their teens to understand why they may be vaping. They should ask the teen instead of, you know, accusing them or freaking out. Listen, kids are going to be experimental. They're going to be influenced by other kids, and not everybody is going to parent their kids the same way you parent your kids. So why are they vaping? Find out. Maybe it's peer pressure. Maybe it's stress, boredom, curiosity. If you find the reasons why, the child might actually open up to you and you might be able to figure out some ways to help them, such as finding fun friends for them to hang out with, doing other activities, um, maybe getting them into therapy or counseling or finding things to uh, stimulate them that are not vaping. How to keep your house smoke-free. Create an environment that is free from smoking and vaping. Uh, by setting rules that prohibit family members or friends from smoking in your house or car. Ensure that the place where your child spends a considerable amount of times are free of tobacco smoke. And if you do smoke, um, I don't even know how you're going to really hide this from your kids, but do it at work or something. Don't bring it home. Encourage alternative activities. Uh, pro-social activities such as sports, music, or art. Get your kids into intentional activities and uh, things in the community. Encouraging these positive activities is called harm reduction because it keeps your teen or child busy and reduces the likelihood that they're going to turn to vaping. If you are having problems, seek professional help through a healthcare provider such as a doctor, psychologist, or licensed professional counselor to help support the teen quit vaping if they started. According to Dr. Taskerin, parents should approach the conversation with their teens about vaping in a non-judgmental, curious, and open-minded way. I could not agree more. If you come in heavy and you're getting all angry, I mean, if somebody talks to you that way, are you going to tell them the truth or are you just going to be defensive? So do not attack your kids. If you're having an emotional tantrum over your kid trying vaping, go to therapy. Do something for yourself because it is normal for kids to try these things out. 
So start out the conversation. If you're having trouble in your relationship with your teen, get into family counseling, but work on having an open relationship so they'll talk to you about these things. And don't make declarative statements like, you're going to die and all this. It, that, that doesn't work. We have to find out their motivations and we have to set the boundaries. Again, you are in control until they're 18. And if you're not in control, there are many books that can help you get control. But the whole point of control is that the child controls themselves, not that you're some authoritarian dictator. Think about it. If your parents were like that, would you want to obey them or would you be annoyed? So how did you know about vaping? Have you noticed a lot of kids at school vaping? What's your experience with vaping? What are the flavors like? Tell me more about that. This approach can help parents gain a better understanding of their teen's knowledge and attitudes towards vaping. As a result, they'll be able to build a trusting and open dialogue with their teen, which can be critical in preventing, reducing, or addressing vaping behaviors. How can parents know if their child is vaping? Of course, there are many recommendations to check this out. But let's look at the physical signs. Vaping can cause physical symptoms such as coughing, throat irritation, and dry mouth. If you notice that your child has these symptoms, they may be vaping. Look for vaping paraphernalia. Vaping devices come in various shapes and sizes. Some may be disguised as everyday objects such as pens or USB drives. You are allowed to look in your child's stuff for devices or cartridges that may be unexplained or seem out of place in your child's belonging. I don't think you should be snooping through your kid's stuff all the time, but once in a while is not going to hurt them. Notice changes in behavior. If your child suddenly becomes more secretive, spends more time alone, or shows lack of interest in activities they once enjoyed, they may be vaping. Vaping can also affect the mood and irritability or anxiety. Smells or unusual odors. Vaping produces a distinct odor that may be sweet or fruity. If you notice an unusual smell in your child's clothing or in their room, they may be vaping. Of course, if you don't know what marijuana smells like, find out because THC vaping can also be occurring, and that does not smell nice. It smells kind of like a skunk. Check your child's social media accounts or really restrict their social media accounts. Uh, a lot of kids will text each other and post pictures of themselves vaping, and so you want to check on that as well. So here's the deal, parents. There is no perfect way to protect your child and not have them use their screens or ever vape, but there are many things you can do if you find out they are overusing screens or they are vaping. I have the screen use episode, uh, was the episode before this one. Check that out. But literally, vaping is dangerous, smoking is dangerous. Anything they're using that can be addictive under 18 is 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 uh, dangerous. I actually think sugar's dangerous, uh, too much sugar, because then that leads to bad habits of eating too much sugar when you're older. Um, everything that we do now as a child or as a teen can lead to habits as an adult. So uh, really, a lot of this is working on your relationship with the child and working on your boundaries and incentives and de-incentives, having structure, having intentionality, uh, hanging out with your child and having quality time where you aren't just lecturing them about the future or the economy or politics or religion or something. Just actually having a conversation human to human where you're curious about what they're into, even if it is boring to you and makes almost no sense and the music sucks. I mean, part of this is bonding. I mean, your parents thought your music sucked, so of course you're going to think whatever they're listening to sucks. But that's part of learning about them because they're going to be who they're going to be. And vaping is, here's the deal with vaping. I just have a zero tolerance policy on vaping. Um, if I'm going to have a teen in my house or a, a child or my nephew, I, I will not 
support it. But I'm I'm also not going to just you know yell at them or lecture them about it. Um, meaning that if they have opinions such as my opinion is, I think vaping's cool. I'll say cool. Well, you can vape when you're 18, but you can't vape now in my house. And if I find out you're vaping, here are the following consequences. And stick to those. Don't threaten. Like actually do the consequence. Like actually hold them accountable. Um, again, it's not about debating who's right or wrong. It's a waste of your time. It's about having open dialogue. Like who vapes at school? Tell me more about that. Um, you know, what are you interested in? Or here's some information about it. Different things like that. Because you want to keep that open dialogue, but again, you have authority. A lot of parents don't realize how much authority they give away um, just by behavior, expecting your kids to self-regulate. They're not going to self-regulate. They're, they're dependent on you for regulation until they get to be old enough. Listen, if you're having trouble, get into family therapy, get into your own therapist, get your kid into therapy, and work on behavioral modifications, but also work on the emotional quality of your relationship between you and your child. And um, work on their stressors. Work on the reasons or the root causes why they started vaping in the first place. Um, scared straight lectures don't work. They don't. I mean, it is, you know, it did help me when I once uh, saw an older person that smoked cigarettes that had a trichotomy or whatever it's called or a tracheectomy or whatever. But, you know, I still ended up trying cigarettes anyway uh, because we don't think about the health consequences 20 or 30 years down the road. And, of course, vaping is marketed as safer than cigarettes. And according to some of the doctors, it actually is. The problem is it's way easier to abuse and there's other chemicals and we don't even know the full ramifications of these chemicals yet. Um, so just a lot to consider here, uh, with vaping. Uh, I read a lot of statistics. I'm going to have all these statistics and all these definitions in the blog on healthforlifegr.com. Just go there and search for the intentional clinician podcast and you'll find it. If you haven't subscribed already, I would love for you to subscribe to the show and share it with people, you know, send us a rating on iTunes. Um, that would be awesome. I hope this has been helpful to you, whether you're a teen or a parent. There are things you can do. And as you know, I have taught a lot of clinicians the Adolescent Community Reinforcement Approach program that actually helps work with the teen and their family on reducing drug and alcohol use. And you can use that program with vaping as well. Um, the old approaches of nagging, threatening, begging and trying to control won't really work. But an open dialogue and boundaries and actual rules and consequences and incentives will work. So if you don't know how to do those, read some books, listen to podcasts, and I think a few sessions of family therapy can go a long way. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Intentional Clinician Podcast with Paul Krause, this special episode on vaping. Until next time. I should mention that I do have a special um, online course for the parents of young adults called The Parents of Young Adults. What should we do now? It's on udemy.com. You can just search for that for The Parents of Young Adults is the name of the course by Paul Krauss, Masters LPC. And a lot of the content in that involves uh, relationship 
adjustments, communication and boundaries and addiction and other things like that. Now, it's mostly for the parents of people who are 18 and older. However, a lot of this can still help you with your teen or child. This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with people you know. I would surely appreciate it. Or take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. As most of you know, I am passionate about preventing future violence in the United States. My colleagues and I have started a nonprofit called the National Violence Prevention Hotline, a 501c3 organization. We are endeavoring to gain funding and collaborators so that we can start a 24-7 hotline and chat line to reach potential perpetrators before they act violently. It is a bold effort to save lives and curb violence by working to connect with potential offenders while they are in the planning stages of violence, help to de-escalate them and provide resources so that they can get appropriate professional help. The National Violence Prevention Hotline is looking to open up a conversation about violence in society, the causes, and the solutions. You can learn more by visiting our website, www.violencepreventionhotline.org. Join us online by signing our petition on the website, sharing the website with your network of people, Donating to the cause if you like, and you can now even write your congressperson from our website with a simple form. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you are a therapist looking for ethical and excellent medical billing services, check out therapistbillingservicesllc.com. That's www.therapistbillingservicesllc.com. Billing services created by therapists for therapists. If you're looking for an EMDR International Association consultant, I am a consultant and I can provide you the 20 hours you need to become EMDRIA certified. I have groups online and in person and I do individual consultation. Just send me a message at the website and I'll get back to you. If you want to get trained in EMDR therapy, check out the great training opportunities with EMDR Training Solutions. I've worked with them before and they are phenomenal, so register today. If you are in need of counseling, do not hesitate to make an appointment at a local counseling center in your area. You can also make an appointment with the excellent clinicians in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area at Health for Life Counseling and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting www.healthforlifegr.com. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss and his guest. And while these are based on the literature they have read and the experience in their fields, this should not be viewed as a definitive opinion on any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you're in a crisis, please dial 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. You can also text 741741 and a live trained crisis counselor will respond. 
Did you know you could support your local bookstore by shopping at www.bookshop.org? You can order from the comfort of your own home online while supporting local brick and mortar businesses near you. If you are a therapist and you are not a member of your national or local therapy organizations such as the American Counseling Association or the American Mental Health Counselors Association, please get involved. At least pay the dues. It will help the lobbyists in our field keep us from becoming gig workers. And of course, there's the bonus of increasing mental health education around the United States and helping people understand what counseling is and promoting best practices within our profession. Until next time, I wish you all a safe and peaceful week. Thank you, Lord, make love.